Hey, this is Cartoon Joe, and you are listening to the Movie Podcast Network. Are you into comics and cool stuff, or did you like to be? Well, if so, go on and check out our guys over at waywardraven.com. If you haven't been there, you should. Great stuff, novelties, gear, comics, and uh, just a bunch of cool guys. So check them out at waywardraven.com. Use our discount code. You know what it is. It's Neckbeard to get a certain amount of money off your purchase. Check them out today. If you're a gamer and or like coffee, be sure to get over to Player One Coffee, our guys in Salt Lake City. Be sure to get yourself some of the Overclocked Omen, as it is the God's gift to gamers. Go on over to PlayerOneCoffee.com and use our discount code, GeekCastLive. Hey everybody, GCR here to tell you about a new product that we are trying to sell and that we use ourselves. It's CBD oil. If you're anything like me, as a 35-year-old overweight man, you have a sore back, you have a sore shoulder, and you fight insomnia all the time. Well, I don't anymore. CBD oil is legal in all 50 states, and this HempWorks product is fantastic. We have THC-free if you're worried about a drug test, and we have salves and creams and oils, peppermint, cinnamon, no flavor. We have everything. Go to GCLCBD.com and get some for yourself because you deserve it. If you're anything like us here at GeekCast Live, I know that almost all you've ever wanted to do in life is play wizard chess. Well, now here's your chance. You can head on over to squareoffnow.com and pick yourself up a wizard chessboard, basically. Just use our discount code GCL to get 20% and free shipping off your order. That's squareoffnow.com, discount code GCL for wizard chess today. Go buy t-shirts. <laughs> play that. Just play it. GCL thread, GCL.threadless.com. T-shirts, hats, shower curtains. Be about uh, that life. You can I probably get it life. on a toy. I anal beads. Mm-hmm. I think they have anal beads. They have leggings. Yeah, stockings, bath curtains. They got like uh, uh, Kenny Loggins' skull on a T-shirt. <laughs> it looks like Kenny Loggins, doesn't it? Wait, what was it? GCL. .threadless.com That's gcl.threadless.com 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 It's a trap! Everybody, welcome to episode two forty nine. I was almost Nick. Podcast <laughs> live podcast. I think you were. I'm your host GCR, and with me, as always, Rob Bass and Cartoon Joe. Uh, Nick had to uh, bow out tonight. Uh, I think they have to put one of his horses down. Yeah. Well, oh. he, he wanted to be there. Well, it was on a high, high shelf, and he's the only one who could reach it. Yeah. And then they, need, they needed to put it. They just needed to. <laughs> Put it down, and 
on a lower shelf. Yep. Yeah, I'm sorry if you guys, if you guys, if you listeners at home thought that one of his horses was going to die. No. Oh God, no. That's no. That's <laughs> oh, that's. You know what? That's my mistake. I should have chosen my <laughs> words. Very morbid. Nick, listeners. Nick has to move one of his horses from a high shelf to a lower shelf. He's the only one in his household tall enough to do it. Right. <laughs> I don't know why they put him sorry. up there in the first place. <laughs> Think of really that's poor, poor decision that's making. Totally, that's totally on me. I uh, I have to take the blame for that one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it should be an interesting show tonight. Um, uh, I I am uh, I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm in my cups, but I've had some margaritas. I'm I'm putting down some brandy. Oh. Brandy. Mm-hmm. Wow. She's a fine girl. What a good wife she could be. No, uh, I'm sorry. I tried. Not, not in your bailiwick there. Nope. Okay. I wanted it to be. Fair, Fair enough. <laughs> uh, my, uh, by the way, my movie for this evening is The Book of Eli. Ooh, nice. Yeah, it's actually, it's not a good movie. Let's not. But it's not bad. I would it's, agree there's with really that. No, there's no bad movies on tonight. So it's a oh. great middle of the road movie. Yeah. It's an, well, like a Coors Light, it's aggressively average. Yeah. So. Nothing wrong with aggressively average. No, Nothing right about it either, that, but. Every, <laughs> that's what makes it average. It's, 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 a, of, it's uh, a C. Speaking of movies that could go either way. Uh, okay, okay. I'm in for this. Uh, I don't know what it is. Uh, but uh, it Stephanie it. Beatrice biopic? Yeah, finally. Long Just overdue. Kidding. Uh, so you, the biopic of Mariska Hargitay? <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, Isn't that just one long SVU episode? Anyway, go yeah. ahead. Anyway, uh, so have you guys, I know this is a re- weird question, but uh, have you guys been following the, uh, the stuff that's been coming out for the upcoming Sonic the Hedgehog live action movie? I legitimately thought it was a joke. So I, no. Is that is that the uh, is that the one with uh, Jim Carrey's playing uh, Doctor Probi- Probiotic? Uh, yeah, Robotnik. Yes, that's <laughs> probiotics. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. So I I'm with you, Joe. I initially thought that this was a joke, and they keep for whatever reason releasing more information about it. So now I'm not really sure if I'm living in some sort of bizarro world or if this is still actually real life. But Well, don't kid yourself. It's a bizarro world. Well, well yeah. Yeah, fair enough. So Jim Carrey is playing Dr. Robotnik. The movie is being produced and directed, from what I understand, by the producer and director of the Fast and the Furious franchise. Okay. Oh, that's amazing. Signs of... Signs are looking up. I'm I'm hoping that this is. It only gets more ridiculous as news gets announced. <laughs> so I'm really hoping that this movie just doesn't take itself seriously at all. Fast and, and the Furious amazing. Thirteen, Sonic right. the Hedgehog, and, and uh, exactly. Uh, they uh they had recently announced who is going to be the voice actor. I don't know if he's doing the motion capture for Sonic yet. But he's the voice actor for Sonic the Hedgehog. And I really it's so hard to, to capture Sonic's motion. Well, well, yeah, mostly because you have to, you know, cram up into that tiny little ball and just row, roll 
head over ass several times. Right. Head over head over ass is not something that normally said. Once you picked it up at the BMW, yeah, people don't say head over the ass. Wing oh, night, so funny. <laughs> so, that's like a. <laughs> I mean, you played Sonic, though. You get exactly what I'm no, saying. No, I know. I know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. So, so I want to get your guys's picks really quick. If you had to, uh, who who do you think would be playing uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, voice and uh, potential motion capture? Do we each get three guesses? Yeah, I'll give you each three. That seems fair. Uh, Christopher Mintz Plesse. Hmm. Mediocre start, but no. Jonah Hill. <laughs> Jonah Hill. Better, better, but also no. Kelsey Grammer. Uh, <laughs> that, that's Sonic's father. Uh, also uh, no. Uh, Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> We're somehow getting colder, and I wasn't sure that was possible. Um, okay, well... Uh, yeah, I, no, I don't want a hint. Let's go you, with... You don't um, want a hint. So we're getting colder. Mediocre start with Christopher Vince Plesse. Let's say... I'm going to say that it's... Uh, uh, Andrew Dice Clay. Ooh. You're That's picking a lot of, like, uh, president murderers. Yeah. <laughs> with those, three names? Those yeah. Those often make the... The best hedgehogs. Uh, no, that is. I'm gonna, uh, for my third and final guess, I'm going to go Aziz Ansari. <laughs> no, but you're really, really close with that. <laughs> no, uh, don't take my coins. <laughs> it's going uh. to be Jean Ralphio Saperstein. Ben Schwartz as ben, John Raphael Saperstein in the voice Sonic, of Sonic the Hedgehog. Yes, that's fucking brilliant. Isn't it though? <laughs> like, oh my god, I'm excited. So exactly. That's fucking inspired. Yeah, no, that's that's truly like just amazing out of the box casting and and I hope that oh this like even if this movie is bad. It's going to be amazing in for that. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. And I hope it's not Ben Schwartz. I hope it's John Ralphio. Right. As, you know what I, you as know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. John Ralphio. I'm like, I want Sonic, Sonic to say, like, 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 because it's the worst. <laughs> I, want, I want that to come from Sonic. Yes. <laughs> oh. oh, that would be incredible. Yeah. Oh, man. So I just, I, I really needed to share that. I'm glad that we Thank got to you. bond in that experience together. That was, this I'm is. I'm glad you hey. did. <laughs> like That's going into the uh, cosplay deviance booth at Gen Con. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which oh. I don't want to do again. I still, I was, I'm still amazed you I did it in the first place. Literally strong-armed into going. I, I, I know. As... As was I. Yeah. Jim's camera. <laughs> uh, did you just, you just Jim's, that was like a. Old, old Jim's like an, camera. That was like an audio. 
<laughs> right. Well, you can't hear me do it. And so that's the closest to Foley right. work I, I can give you is narration. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I, uh, I was telling the guys at work today, I watched uh, A Star is Born yesterday. I think I was that guy. But continue. Uh, what? <laughs> I said, I What'd think I was that guy, but continue. Yeah, no, oh. I was telling you, but I told the other guys too. <laughs> I thought you were saying you were Bradley Cooper. Yeah, and I no, was like, I don't, that, that doesn't that compute. Movie, that, that movie's about me. <laughs> I was the star that was born. I could, I, upon second, a uh, second thought, I, I don't know. I, I still can't believe that Andrew, my man, Andrew Dice Clay is in that movie. I, you guys, I guarantee you're not familiar with him. No. I've heard his name before. Yeah, and like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> Maybe you five. need to. There's a video on YouTube. It's Andrew Dice Clay uh, at Dangerfields, at Rodney Dangerfields Comedy Club. Mm-hmm. And it is fucking classic, man. It is like hyper annoying, but pure gold. Okay. <laughs> and I know that that doesn't. I'm not selling it, but why is he like, uh, like if Andy Samberg and like the dad from big mouth did like a fusion (laughs) Fred Armisen's character from big mouth is this. Oh my God. That is wait. No, not Fred Armisen. Uh, Andrew's dad. Oh, Mr. Glatterman. Mr. Marty. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Andrew Dice Clay is like, uh, Marvin. He's, as, he's as New York as you could possibly be. And he just, I mean, his whole act is just like, hey, bada boom, bang, hey. <laughs> I'm walking here. Whoa, that's exactly that character for Rick and Morty. That is, yeah, it's Andrew Dice Clay. That's who that is. <laughs> so then, yes, I know exactly about now. Well, I told you his. I told. Were you there this morning when I said his his simplest, maybe his best joke ever, is uh, hey, you know, Mother Goose, yeah, <laughs> fucked her. <laughs> That's the joke. That's it. And then he takes a drag of his cigarette and he smokes his cigarette either like uh, either like your dad does, Joe, oh, or yeah. like it's like full like it's hand. Staccato. Yeah, full hand. Right. It's like because you might have to hide your cigarette behind your back at a moment's notice. Or I want you to stick your arm uh, just straight out from your shoulder and then wrap it around your head and you get a cigarette between your fingers and then try to smoke from the other side. <laughs> like now your hand is now on the other side of your face from where it started. Mm-hmm. That's how Andrew Dice Clay smokes a cigarette. So he says like, yeah, yeah, fuck their bang. Whoa. And then he does that fucking wrap the head around cigarette. Like, what the fuck is this guy's <laughs> He smokes a cigarette like Martin Sheen puts on a coat. Yes, he does. <laughs> exactly correct. Yes. Jack and Jill went up the hill. They each had a buck and a quarter. Jill came down with 250. Hey, bang! <laughs> like, <laughs> like, okay. I think, Joe, I actually think, I think you would, you would um, assimilate some of his shit into your parlance. <laughs> Probably would. You know what I mean? It sounds and like you it. Would, you'd find yourself suddenly saying like, hey, whoa, bang a rang. And th- th- there it is. I think that last <laughs> one was Skrillex. 
<laughs> I just, I did just Skrillex, didn't I? Was that yeah. buying a ring, boy, Skrillex? That's an er- for those of you who have been with us for a long time. That's an early season one callback. That is. It's been many moons since we've even <laughs> thought about Skrillex is on the show. Bangarang by Skrillex. <laughs> is that Bangarang? Anyway. Oh man. Very interesting. Very interesting start of the show today. It yeah. is. We've gone a lot of places already. It's been fast. It was right out of the gate. And now we have 15 minutes until our guest comes on. So I know. What are we going to do? <laughs> what are we going to do? <clears throat> oh, man. I was getting ready to do a thing that would give me a nickel in John Mulaney's wish sock, but <laughs> I didn't. But you decided against it. Bold play. So I'm watching this book. I, did, I've, I must have missed the part <laughs> I'm in watching Book of Eli this where book. he. Well, I'm watching this part. <laughs> In Book of Eli that I must have never seen before where he, like, uh, gives himself a whore bath in a hut. All right. I just, Classic. Yeah, I guess it's classic. I've never heard of it. I, I don't know. I've never, seen, I've never seen the Book of Eli. Uh, he's blind. So neither is there he. There it is. Great. Change the channel. I've seen the end. <laughs> hey, so you had also mentioned something else that you were uh, perusing in your Netflix binging of late. Uh, tell me about Umbrella Academy and all the reasons why I should watch it. Umbrella Academy is is uh, crazy good. Umbrella Academy is why Netflix doesn't need Marvel anymore. Yeah, the trailer um, looked amazing for that. They can take either like I don't want to say little known because it was. I think it was only little known to me. I I I had never heard of uh, the Umbrella Academy, like the comic book. Mm-hmm. I, that doesn't mean that it wasn't very famous to other people. Um, but they can take like independent comics, Dark Horse comics, all those, and they can actually take and make those into viable TV shows that people will fucking destroy. So. That I think that's part of the reason they're cool with just canceling all the the, the Marvel shows. Mm-hmm. But uh, Umbrella Academy is a... I'll give it to you as spoiler-free as I can because I want you guys to watch it and enjoy it. And even though I know that like as a collective, we don't really believe in spoilers. I also think but, of all the people who care about spoilers, the one who does isn't here. I know. I know. <laughs> Sorry, Nick. The, love uh, you. Good luck on um, your tiny horse. It is, to the best of my ability, I can describe it as the Avengers meets the Royal Tenenbaums. Okay. That's That's excellent. There's even some Wes Anderson-like stuff to it from the the weird mansion they live in to, you, you know how like there's that shot in a Wes Anderson movie where it's like a cross section of the hotel? Mm-hmm. And you see everybody working in different rooms and floors of the hotel. Mm-hmm. That is like that happens at one point in one of the episodes. Um, it is a phenomenally acted, very well paced uh, story about a family of superheroes and their family in that they were raised together and they considered themselves brothers and sisters. Um, 
the the concept is is that like uh one night in 1984 uh 48 women across the globe gave birth at the same time the weird thing about that is uh none of them were pregnant all right that is very weird and, and, i watched and this, the trailer so yeah, I'm, I'm i'm with you so far so and then this enigmatic billionaire swept in and he ended up able to buy seven of them and they are the they are the umbrella academy and he raised them to be they all have superpowers and he raised them to like learn how to fight and work together and fight crime and shit and then uh and and then circumstances have happened that you learn about in the first episode that has now brought them all back home to the mansion and they're all adults now and they're angsty and you know it's one of those things where like all the mutants that grew up as X-Men and they none of them like went on to do anything else other than be X-Men. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of them is an actress, one of them is a concert violinist, one of them one of them has been working on the moon for four years. It's just it's really weird. There's a there's a there's a talking chimpanzee butler, which is neat. Well yeah. Uh, <laughs> He's not one of the Umbrella uh, Academy kids. No. Okay. The trailer was unclear about that. <laughs> and it's just uh it's so fucking awesome. I mean, I'm it's killing me not to I have one episode left. And I'm Damn. like I'm 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 juggling right now like oh when we when we get done recording, <laughs> do I edit the episode or do I finish the Umbrella Academy? I don't even know why we're podcasting tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I would definitely watch it. I mean, I I implore you to watch it. It is uh, well, it was, uh it was it was created by Gerard Way, right? From My Chemical Romance. Yep. And I'm just going through and looking at some of the art and stylizations for this. And this is like this obviously screams like to to me that like it was made by a, a grown-up emo kid. Like the art in this is phenomenal and like grim and macabre, but you could probably put every scene to like Panic at the Disco or the Black Parade. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Joe, you like that. Yes. And I don't wanna and I don't I definitely don't want to um <clears throat> tensions where maybe there are none, but a, a big part of this of the story is these kids and their relationship with their father. Mm -hmm. Like they hate their tough overbearing father. They think he was an asshole. They're not sad that he's dead. Blah, 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 blah. Um, and so I don't know how much of that plays into like the, like the emo fucking concept (laughs) and, and, I, I don't. I don't really know my Chemical Romance or who the lead singer guy is, or if that's his fucking. I mean, it's mostly kind of about being NXT, and it was an outlet for angsty teens to be edgy, angsty. Right. So, so that's kind of what I'm. That's kind of all of the kids in this show are edgy, angsty teens. I mean, they even say like at one point, one of them says like, "Well, what are you going to do with the rest of your time?" And he's like, "Well, I'm a, I'm an adult man child who probably needs to figure shit out. So <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess I have time to do that now." It's like, oh, 
Okay. <laughs> He's a grown-up emo kid. Yeah, and that's what they all are. I love it. So it the is, end of the just, world and effort. I just knew it was going to be a bad day. <laughs> it's a phenomenal show, though. I think you guys would really, really enjoy it. It uh, it will also be what I'm geeking on. You know, spoiler alert oh. for the end of the show. But uh, spoiler alert. It's uh, I should I should isolate you saying that, and then we should just put it in any time. There's going to be spoilers. <laughs> it should just it should run right. Right at the beginning of the show. Me doing my worst coach, Steve. <laughs> did you see what I put on Facebook? I did. Just a little bit ago. I don't get it yet because I've, I've only just begun to watch Big Mouth. Finally. <laughs> oh, I love Big Mouth. I, I've talked myself into it. I don't know if I love it, but I definitely am watching it. <laughs> oh, I, I, I love it. I love. Well, I, we all love. Mulaney, of course, and I, I love Nick Kroll, who does all like all the other voices. He does, which is weird because there's some cops that sound exactly like John Mulaney's cop voice. (laughs) Yep, but they're Nick Kroll. There's no rule that says you can't have breakfast sauce for night lunch. (laughs) First of all, breakfast sauce. Secondly, night lunch. Night lunch, which is so funny. Oh my god! Is Nick Kroll the guy from like the shock, uh, the shock shot DJ from Parks and Rec and the League? I think so. Yes, yes, yes. He is in the League. Okay. Just wanted to make sure that I didn't have some sort of Joe Fazier going on. No, you you nailed Perfect. it. He is definitely the guy in the League. He's a blessed special soul. He is. Uh, hold on. Wait. I'm trying to make sure that you're talking about the right guy from the league. <laughs> uh, the BD one. I can't remember his fucking name. Uh, he, he, he was from. Uh, uh, what, what, what was the radio show from Parks and Rec? Something in the douche. He was the douche. Yes. 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 It's the same guy. And I instantly, when you went to Shock Jock, and then you said TV, I, I instantly went to Weenie and the Butt from Family Guy, but that is not <laughs> close. You're very I, close. It is very, it is very, it's too close, actually. <laughs> I could have sold that to someone, like to my dad. I could have convinced him it was Weenie and the Butt oh. from Parks and Recreation. Oh, yeah. for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's the one who's like, uh, like if Eric Andre were Gary Sinise. <laughs> Jesus! Yes, that's ex- yes. <laughs> wow, it's so weird because, like, like you, you can't tell John McClane from John McCain, but but you can do that. <laughs> I've been you know working I mean? on it, man. I got like flashcards. <laughs> I can just see you're sitting across the, across the table for your wife, and she's like, she holds a picture like Denzel Washington. She's like, good. She shows up another one. Chris Farley, good. Uh, David Spade, no. Adam Sandler, that's it. Mark Zuckerberg. I would never Mark- confuse David Spade and Adam Sandler. Maybe <laughs> David Spade and Dana Carvey. I, yeah. I'm, tell- I'm telling you right now that for Christmas, you will be getting the Joe Fasian <laughs> card deck. And it's just going to be 
like <sighs> index card size color photos of celebrities. I love it. I- and on the back, it'll say their name. And you'll, <laughs> it's just a, it's just a, you just, you flash it at Joe and he says like, he says like, oh, or, uh, uh, Terrence Howard. Ah, fuck, Cuba Gooding Jr. God damn it. Or we should make a marketable game out of this and put the wrong celebrity name on the back of the picture and have people. Yeah, so one person holds up a picture and the other person has to then play it out like they have Joe Phasia and try and guess the name that's on the back. It's like guess who for people who don't recognize faces. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I t- I'm I have an ongoing. Have I talked to you guys about my problem with Guess Who? And I don't know who to contact. Mm, no. Uh, when when was the last time you guys played Guess Who? Many months. Uh, Nineteen ninety seven. Mm, I think. Okay. Not that long. Go Ooh, get- no. Wait. My parents were divorced, so probably two thousand two. Go get yourself an, a nineties or an early two thousands version of Guess Who. And then get your go to the store and buy like the new version of Guess Who. Oh, they're completely lay, different. Well, completely different. And here's the problem. And my, I'm going to preface this by saying my, I understand the concept of like representation. Yeah. And how that's important. But they have several of the characters in Guess Who so racially ambiguous. That you can't, I've, I was watching my son and my dad play Guess Who, and they both had one left. And my <laughs> son said, like, is yours Peter? And my dad said, no. And I was like, ah, oh, Macklin played the game wrong. And my dad said, is yours Mike? And Macklin said, no. <laughs> and they both had the wrong tiles up, and either, both of them lost. No one should lose Guess Who. No. It's like, tic, it's like tic-tac-toe. Right. Mm, you, can, you can mutually lose a tic tac. Well, yeah, you can well, tie. I know. The, I know you, you consider that a mutual law, but well, you can also like. <laughs> you can also when I whenever I play Guess Who, I I either lose or win at Guess Who because I'll I'll ask one question. You know, you can ask a question and then you can guess. Mm-hmm. I'll ask a question and then I'll say like, and my question's never like, "Is yours uh, a boy?" I'll say like, "Is yours?" Like going through a midlife crisis, probably <laughs> lost their husband mm-hmm. or wife. For and sure. The per- and then the person across me is like, I don't know. And I'll say, Is it Pamela? And then I'm either going to get it right and I'm never going to play him again or I'm going to lose. That's just how, because that's how I. <laughs> Do you lose if you're I, guessing you're wrong? I forget I the rules. So. Oh, okay. I don't think so. But I also, they also don't ever knock anything down because I never ask him anything that allows him to knock it down. Gotcha. Like I'll say, like, is yours favorite food chicken wings? And they'll be like, uh, uh, yes. And I'll be like, hmm, okay. Mike? No. And then all their tiles are still up. Meanwhile, they're like, <laughs> is yours wearing a hat? And I say yes. And then there's only five still standing. <laughs> but the problem is now is the the characters' faces are so racially ambiguous that you can't – like, if you say, like, is yours African-American? There's a chance that a couple of them you're not going to knock down because I would say that's clearly a Native American. Right. Or no. Like there's one, and I think his name, I, I, I wish I could remember his name. Let's say it's Eric. He is 
white. He's a Caucasian man. Sure. Mm-hmm. Except that he's clearly an elderly Asian man. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I love like, is like, their expressions have gotten really neutral as well. Yeah, well, here I'm like, like I'm serious. I remember I can I've actually you can't I, tell me he's not Chinese. Yeah. Well, it's like I remember I remember seeing like uh uh Richard in the in the early 90s version is like clearly clinically depressed. Like he's ready to step off the stool and end it. And like now his his face is just like a perfect neutral mask. Well, like yes. he could be Keanu Reeves in the Matrix, but with like a red beard and bald. It's weird, man. It's very weird. I'm with you. I, I just, I, I have, I have a, I could pick like seven to ten of the faces out of that crowd, and I could say to you, like, is this woman, is this woman black, or is she Native American? Yeah. And then you'd say like. I think they're going for Native American. I, or I, or I, I thought she was a Daisy woman. <laughs> it's just honestly, you could. There's a couple of them where I've I've said like, no, that's uh, he's he's Latino. He's not black. So if you were to say, is yours African American? I would say no, because it's not. He's a Mexican man. This man is from. He's he's Latin American. He might be from Honduras. <laughs> he's he's not black, so I'm I'm gonna say no, and then they would say, and then and then he would say, I would lose the game. Yep. It's it's crazy. It is really crazy. I'm with you. <sighs> so go play Monopoly instead. Play by the real rules, though. So it's over in 45 minutes. Mm. Or it takes Don't. four. Hours. Don't stay up till four in the morning with your girlfriend's roommate for the summer playing against your friend who you now podcast with. Who, who was ref- your roommate at the time? Refuses to lose Monopoly. Do you guys play by the real rules? Where like where if no one if if the person who lands on the property refuses to buy it, then it goes into a goes to auction. auction. Oh yeah. We okay. weren't playing them la- that night. Tell you that. That is true. But Ugh. no, I, I love all of the weird, stupid, ridiculous rules from Monopoly. There are a ton Oh, for of sure. Them. A ton. For sure. Four out of four eels. You know what I'm saying? I got to find those. I'll send you pictures of those Guess Who characters. It is... I was really hoping you were going to send me pictures of four eels. And like I said, I'm not upset. I understand what they're doing. They've made the they've made the game more diverse. It's yeah. just it's just like you have to like like if like clear cut it, please, because it's I'm losing games of Guess Who on like weird technicality. No one should right. have to say. Actually, I'm I'm sorry that she's clearly <laughs> she's clearly Lebanese. <laughs> And it is. And I could, like, if you look at them at a glance, like, I, I laid them out in front of my wife, and she was like, no, they're, like, black and white. And I was like, take a, take a closer, take a closer look, look at Eric. Take a closer look at Eric. Eric is a second-generation American whose dad was Japanese. 
he is not a white man. He's not a white man. He is not Caucasian at all. And she's like, oh, my God. Eric is an old Japanese man. And I was like, yes. Fuck yeah, he is. <laughs> and there's nothing we can do about it. <laughs> oh, it's crazy. It's amazing. Well, he used uh, to look like the Meister Bur- Burger Meister Meister Burger. Who, Eric? Yeah. I don't know if that's really his name. I, oh, I'm sorry. I just looked up Eric and oh. there is an actual <laughs> Eric card. I'm sure there's an Eric. All so. the names and guess who are like the top 20 boy names from 1989. <laughs> so there's. That's where there's, the update I, needs to happen. Like I need a character. Did, did, did you go somewhere? What? He left halfway through that sentence. Oh, did I? oh sorry. I said I it's need okay. a character named Apple. <laughs> it's okay because we, uh, our guest has arrived on the Mighty Discord channel. I'm here. Hello, hello. Woo. Gentlemen, Welcome. how are you? <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's a... Uh, I, I've been wanting to get a hold of you, sir, to talk to you again after we had you on Movie Podcast Weekly. Um, it, it, you were one of you're one of the, my favorite guests we've ever interviewed. Oh, thank so you. Throwing throwing that out there early. Um, Joe and Rob. Um, hello, hello. Uh, th- we're 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 talk- Our guest this evening is Andrew Bowler. He is a. Uh, I guess you're kind of an everyman in film, right? Writer, director, producer. Yeah, I mean, I, I writer, director, and film producer is in TV land that, you know, producer takes on a sort of different kind of, title, yeah. Right. Um, ever since we got done watching Time Freak, I've been, I've been trying. To, I've done everything but hold these guys down and pour salt in their eyes <laughs> to, to make them watch that movie. We've talked about, we've talked about it. Uh, I just don't know. I don't know if they've gotten to, to see it yet. You gotta give them the clockwork orange experience and get the get the eyedroppers <laughs> yeah. out and just yeah. Exactly. I'm not above that. I'm not above we that. Fi- yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted to have you on because uh the Oscars are this Sunday. Yeah. Um and this show releases on Saturday morning. So our listeners are gonna have a, a like forty eight hours to get a chance to to listen to it before uh the Academy Awards. And I don't I want to start by what are what are your thoughts? First of all, are you a member of the Academy? I'm not. You're not. I'm not. I'm a nominee. Um, I'm a nominee, but but you 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 still have to go through the application process. You got to go that's through a process. Now, what yeah. is what is that? Because that's something that's always interested me. Because I always thought that if you were nominated or if you had won an Academy Award, that they kind of shoehorned you in. It's my my understanding is if you win, you're automatically a member. And so I didn't, okay. my wife and I didn't win. Um, there was, there has been some talk about my wife's membership. Um, you know, she's, uh, uh, you know, uh, had changed a couple of careers. And so there's different, there's different branches essentially. So I was nominated sure. through the short, short film animation branch. Well, that's not really a branch that I necessarily stay in because I'm not an animator, you know, and I, you know, unless right. you count unless you count funny or die stuff, I haven't made a lot of short films since the one that got nominated. So <laughs> then you sort of move into a different a different branch. So there's different there's publicists, there's producers, uh, there's shorts and animation, and then um, 
I'm not going to be able to name them all. But then, so then <laughs> if you're, if you have a resume in that particular field, then you become sort of a relevant person for them to nominate. So you'll see that, that sort of, oh, this publicist who's been doing it for 20 years just got nominated to the, or just got brought into the um, publicist branch. For example. Okay. Do, can, if you're a member of the Academy, do you only vote for the awards that are in your bailiwick or does do Academy members vote for the, the 25 or the 24 uh, uh, awards? Uh, I'm so I talk, I'm going to talk a little out of school because I'm not totally positive. Right, you're not but, in, right, yeah, you're not there. But, but. And, and I, and, and, and I knew, I knew these rules better when it actually mattered because I thought I was going <laughs> to had a chance to win. Um, but uh, my understanding is that the, the nominations come within from within the particular okay. branch. So our 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 short film nomination, I know, was specifically went through the short film branch, and then everybody, any this I do know, um, the, any any academy member from any branch fills out a whole ballot. Right. So that's the whole, yeah, but the nominations tend to come through the branches. Well, this is a, uh, uh, the Oscars have always been very important to me. I, I love movies. Um, and there's something about the Academy Awards that was always, it always piqued my interest. And this year seems to be just a, a, uh, a shit show for lack of a better <laughs> term. Um, yeah, you know, right. to think, to think that yeah. they were going to not award the cinematography award on television. Live yeah. On television. I, I don't know. I have a bit of a conspiracy theory huh? I don't, uh, as to why that was chosen, but I, I just don't know why, why they ever thought that was going to go over well at all. I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah, it's, um, you know, I, I, I have a slightly different take on, on some of these. I, I'm, I'm, I'm generally a fan. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I've, I am like you, I dreamed I've never missed an Academy Awards, um, since I could watch television. It's always a dream and, and, and such a amazing, um, spectacle. And it, it, it no matter how cynical you are going into the Academy Awards, for me, watching a, a show by the end of the show, I'm not cynical and I love movies again. You know, I can be in like <laughs> a cynical spot and no matter what happens, I never look at the awards as a cynical situation. And I, I don't I also I think people tend to put too much on them. I would say I think they're, yeah, they're asked sense. to represent too much, too much of a industry point of view. I mean, look, the the, the Oscar's so white and the, the diversity and the female empowerment, all, all that stuff is super important and representation. But I, I think that we we load a lot onto what the Oscars are supposed to do for America and, you know, for the representation of film. And, and I think sometimes we ask a little too much. Um, personally, I, I'll give you a little, a little insight onto the canceling of the, of the, um, categories. We, so when you're nominated for an Oscar, the coolest thing about the process, everybody says, is you do a luncheon. That's where that big Oscar class photo comes from. Mm -hmm. You do a luncheon and that's when you usually get to meet your, all your heroes. Cause you're having lunch with Spielberg and 
Scorsese and all this. It's a wow. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. awesome. And so all those people in the photo go to lunch together and then they take a photo. And they do the coolest thing. And it's so classy. And I, I only assume that they do some version of it still. They get up and they say, look, hey, welcome nominees. We just want to tell you, we want to remind you, you're all in the entertainment industry. We're producers producing a television show. Would you please help us make it a good TV show? And in order to help us make it a good TV show, we've recorded this video segment with Tom Hanks <laughs> and this really cool Tom Hanks introduction who says, okay, you're nominees. Here's how I want you to think about your acceptance speech. Please don't write a list. Please only have one person from your group speak. Please do not use first names of people. These are all things. Speak from the heart. Be spontaneous. Be joyous. And the rest will take care of itself. And so I practiced my speech as Tom Hanks asked me to, you know, <laughs> because, you know. Because Tom so, Hanks asked you to. Tom well, Hanks asked. Right. You know? And so I, I know it. It's a moment that is unlike any other in your life, but I get a little frustrated when I see these people who have sat through some version of that and they seem to have ignored everything and it slows the show down and it's not particularly heartfelt and it's, yeah. you were kind of asked to go up there and emote and not bring a list and not list first names of people that nobody in the you know million people audience around the world understands go up there and emote so sometimes when i think when i see short filmmakers doing that i get a little it, it upsets me because i think hey you know can we keep this segment on tv because the only reason this segment is going to be on tv is because luke Methaney, who's a friend of mine who won short film the year before gave the best speech of the whole night so if you remember, he did God of Love. He's the guy, big tall guy with a big afro, uh, did the really sweet film God of Love. He was in and wrote and direct, talked about his mom doing the catering. And, you know, that was the highlight of the show. And then sometimes you see some of these other categories and they're going, they're kind of fumbling around. It's so whatever. I don't mean to be a jerk to the people who win, but that's kind of my perspective on hey, we cut the thing we've been asking for a long time now for you guys to help us make these this a good segment, and now we cut the segment. Now, that took care of itself because there was so much backlash, but sure. a, little, a little insight into maybe where the Academy's coming from. Well, Interesting. you know, you, that, is extremely, I've, that is extremely interesting. Um, I, uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. paid attention to the Tom Hanks video. Exactly. Uh, I would say. <laughs> One of the greatest, one of the greatest uh, yeah. acceptance speeches of all time. Yeah, and um, and and look, you don't have to make a spectacle to just emote. No. Emote. I remember the guy who did who won. He's probably going to win again this year. Who won Ida? I don't remember his name. Didn't he win for Ida a couple of years ago? And that was so beautiful. The foreign language. Yeah, um, so, yep. See, we just sort of felt it out there on stage, and I, I was, you know, I really loved that. It's interesting. We uh, we have a. I think like everybody does, or maybe everybody does the, like an Oscar pool. We, we do it family wide. And, uh, um, it's the last three or four years. It's been really easy to pick the winners. Um, because you just look at whatever the socio political climate is at the time. <laughs> and that's what it's going to be. And, and this year it's kind of, um, 
I can't put my finger on it. It's weird. I, I can't. Well, it's up in the I air a little figure. bit. I mean, you've got you've got Bohemian Rhapsody, Black Panther, uh, Bradley Cooper, and uh, uh, Lady Gaga. Star is born. That's right. Uh, like it, it seems like there's like uh, I don't know, just a bunch but, of weird. Uh, but there's no real movie that is like they didn't make like a Me Too movie, right? You know right. what I mean? Like, like if you didn't think that Moonlight was going to win. Uh, sorry, it was gonna win. Right. Yeah, I mean, it just it it fit the climate of the yeah. time. Yeah. Um, I'm having such a hard time this year. I can't figure out what I'm gonna do. I haven't filled my pool my 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 ballot out yet either, though. So I I still have time. And you know, I I will say that you know, I I generally agree with where you're coming from. Just to represent the side that you know has been said many times but does bear worth bear repeating the concept that so the the academy does have a history of nominating occasional sleeper blockbuster movies so meaning there's mm-hmm. the award stuff and then there's the the movie that pops this year that's in the zeitgeist that everybody cares about that makes it into the best picture which is one of the reasons they expanded the pool the concept that the Mad Max from that year, which was exactly what I'm talking about, got nominated and straight out of Compton didn't, is such mm-hmm. an embarrassment to them that I can see that there was, if you're seeing some reaction, that was a, that was a, that was rough. That was a rough, yeah. rough <laughs> image for them because you want to say straight out of Compton had his flaws, his movies, whatever. That's part of the history of the Academy is those big movies that are tent poles that really just capture everybody. And they're so special that they make it onto the best picture list. And, and you know, that, that was, that was tough. That was a tough look. So. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I, on one hand, I want to applaud them for saying like, no, we're making these radical changes. We're doing it. But I want to sit them down and say, like, like, keep making radical changes, but let's make them the right radical changes. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like they're making changes for changes' sake. Like, I thought that, like, the most popular movie category was just, that was so not thought out. That's a great way of saying it. It just wasn't thought out. It was just much, basically, it's, they're giving an award to who had the box office. And that's like, that's not, that, that's a weird, that's just, it wasn't thought out. I know what they were trying to do and I like it, but like, let's do, you know, um, how about we have uh, an, an award for ensemble cast? Yeah. yeah I, um, let's have an award for uh, the stunt team. You know, I don't. I just. I if you want to add awards, those, let's yeah. let's add let's add awards like that. I I don't know. That's just that's the weird uh, guy who's not in the industry and loves movies complaining about things that I have no control over. <laughs> well, you know, I, mean, I I think at the end of the day, doesn't it always come down to awards for movies? I mean, you're talking about awarding art, and you know, look, right. I, I this is a guy who went sat in his seat and squeezed onto my wife's hands in the hopes that they would announce my name. So I, I only have, I only have so much pretension that I can offer on the subject. <laughs> However, that, that said, 
we're talking about awarding art. And that falls apart the moment you assemble that sentence. And it's that's why I say we put too much on it. The solution is not to get rid of it. It's wonderful. It's great. But I think every time you start to put a little microscope, the subjectivity just comes in. The subjectivity just washes in. And it's like, what are we really talking about? We're talking about art and how can that ever really be declared as the best? I was was this thought in America, like if you made your top 10 films of all time, like the obvious best 10 films of all time to you, just no brainers, how long would you have to search before you got a match of your top 10 films? (laughs) <laughs> you know, <laughs> how many people would you have to talk to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> before well, you were like, we have the same top 10 list because we're the only two people in the world that see it logically. Of course, these are the best 10 films in the world, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, we just, we just had a, uh, uh, we were a part of a, a poll and it was a, a bracketed challenge and it came down to the final, it was, uh, trilogies. So it was it was a whole uh-huh. bracket of famous movie trilogies, and they pit you know two, and it got down to the final four. Well, on on one side of the bracket, it was the Christopher Nolan Batman, okay, trilogies, and then it was the Lord of the Rings, okay, trilogies, and then on the other side of the bracket, uh, the winner was the Star Wars, the uh, the episodes yeah. four, five, and six, the Ridge Tridge, yeah, <laughs> and then nobody we, calls we, it that. <laughs> I'm starting now. I do. <laughs> we had a uh, we had to vote to see who was going to get that final slot and go up against Star Wars, oh. and it was uh, the Godfather trilogy against the three Back to the Futures. <clears throat> and when the poll opened up, I I voted for Godfather and said, "There's no way Back to the Future stands a chance here." Yeah. It won going away. Oh, <laughs> it was like it, it was. It was seventy-five to fifty. Seventy-five percent of the I mean, vote. Yeah, was that sounds like a group of people future. who haven't seen all the Godfather movies. <laughs> I was. I was. I, I think that'd be accurate. Yeah. I was trying to. I was trying to lobby so hard for Godfather. I was saying, like, like a vote for Godfather doesn't mean I don't like the Back to the Future movies. Right, right. But, I'm surprised how much the two and three have taken on. When I watch them, I'm a huge Back to the Future is like way up there for me, and uh, from the time I was a kid till till now. And I just don't think two and three are even part of the conversation. I don't even think of Back to the Future as a trilogy. I just think of it's just the first movie, and then there's some some sequels. I don't. It's <clears throat> it's such a perfect movie, and I guess that would that would be some of my argument of a trilogy is. If you need a trilogy, you can't have such a tight told story. I don't, I don't consider those last 30 seconds with Doc to, to be a true invitation. <laughs> it's, it's more of an inspirational wisp. I don't think of it as like, oh, wow, the story's not done being told. That's the tightest. That's one of the greatest screenplays ever written. So that, whatever. And that was, that's what back, the Back to the Future people were saying is that that's, Back to the Future is so good. And I was like, yes. Ah, okay. 100%. Um, uh, like, Godfather 1, like, there, there's, there's, there's two best picture winners no. in the other trilogy. <laughs> yeah, and then I, I said, like, like, there's an argument to be made that Back to the Future 
is the third best movie of the six that we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And, <laughs> and you guys and you guys are going to vote for Back to the Future to win wow. as the best as to beat Godfather? Wow. And people are like and then people kept saying like, "Well, Godfather 3 is so bad." And I was like, you guys are talking like like Back to the Future Three was a masterpiece. Yeah, it's like it's, that's oh, a strange. Honestly, one. the the second two are like made for TV movies. Rough, but it speaks to what you're saying that it's so. I mean, it's so damn subjective. It's subjective, and yet we never want to actually hear that. And I think that's. I was just talking to a friend about that today. That's one of my favorite things about movies. I, I like to try to turn into it as a filmmaker and kind of embrace the fact that I think that movies are Americans, America's art form. I, I, maybe you could make the argument of music, I guess. But like, if you go to a museum or whatever, Americans don't really feel comfortable expressing loudly their opinions about paintings in general, right? Or sculpture, right? <laughs> but talk to an American about movies and they think they know. If you, apparently in Italy, I've never been, but La Scala, the, 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 um, the opera hall in, uh, in Rome, if you don't do well in, in La Scala, the Italian audiences, they'll boo because Italians feel entitled to their opinion about opera, right? And Americans feel entitled to their opinions about movies. You can't, I, you never meet somebody who says, I don't really know anything about movies, so I don't have an opinion. Everybody's got an opinion. And I think that that's cool. Um, and, and then we just, we get lost in that sort of like, of course, you know, whatever, Hamburger, I, Hamburger the movie is the best movie of all time or whatever. <laughs> I have never, I have never thought of it that way. And I don't think I can now think of it in any other way. That's exactly what it is. It's our, it's America's art form. That's it what is. it is. It's Hollywood's, Hollywood's ours, and, and maybe other people do it more or whatever, but we, we're, we've cornered the market on it, and we're all allowed to have our opinion about it, which is it's cool. It's cool. It's a, it's a, it's a, it connects us as Americans I, 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 when, when I think of it as my, at, at its best, you know. When I read, when I read online, yeah. (laughs) No, go on. What were you guys going to say? Were you going to say something, Rob? No, no, I was going to say that that makes a whole lot of sense, actually. The uh, movies being in uh, America's art form. It seems definitely one of the the most uh, widespread ways that we try to at least broadcast our art these days. Well, and have you ever met anybody who hasn't had an opinion about a movie? Ever, ever. <laughs> we well, Graber up Graber. in uh, Valpo. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. But he's not yeah, allowed yeah, to he, watch him. Yeah, I was saying Graber the Mennonite doesn't have a phone either, so he, <laughs> he doesn't. You're right. He has, he doesn't have an opinion on film. Actually, though, he still does have an opinion on film. Right. He doesn't. Yeah. And that's his opinion. Damn that's it. a good point. Good point. <laughs> well, it was community discerned, though. So. <laughs> Speaking of filmmaking as an art, and since you are a filmmaker and we aren't, I wanted to, have you seen, there's a show on Netflix called The uh, Haunting of Hill House. I've seen it. You haven't seen it? I have not, no. Okay. There's an episode in the first season called Two Storms, and I'm 
willing to go on record as saying that, in my opinion, it is one of the top five television episodes of all time. Oh, I like that. And there's a lot of television episodes. I haven't done the math, so let's just say a lot. <laughs> this is all seems fair. This is all standalone, um, in, uh, serialized or whatever they're called, or not. Um, meaning, meaning, I could just I could just pick that one out, watch it, and I, is it its own story or does it have something to do? No, with no, it, it is. Uh, you, you wouldn't you you wouldn't know what was going on right, okay, the yeah. backstories or anything because it would be six it'd be six hours into the ten hours worth of the first season of the show. Okay, for the record, um, for most of those ten hours you don't know what's going on at all. So yeah, it, yeah, it, really, it really wouldn't make that much of a difference. You'd get some of the names confused. But it's, the the majority of the episode is all. Um, I think the longest long shot in the episode is 27 minutes long. Oh, that's nice. And it is from a, they did a featurette on it about how they did it, about how, I mean, they shut down production so they could rehearse for weeks. That's how they're cool. going to do this. And, and it tied together digitally. Cause I know that that's, did they say that? What? Well, meaning I now know that some of these long shots we've, We've lost the, you know, the player, the, the Robert Altman player. You know that that's the full thing, I, you know, because they just have to do it all the way through. But I now know you like Birdman isn't actually all one shot. No, they, they yeah. edited. They, that's they, all edited they, together. Well, then it's digitally morphed in places. So it feels like this, one shot. They, they did an actual 27 minute, 27 minute right. long. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Take. That's awesome. Um, and I just, as a filmmaker, I mean, I can, is that, it seems to me that that would be the most difficult thing in film. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, that's the kind of thing that if you have the right crew and you've got actors, it takes long time, a long time to prepare and everything goes wrong. I've never done anything nearly that long, but you can kind of get it like the choreography, you know, it, it, and, and so it, Actors, like real pros, it is amazing to watch what they can do from a technical level. So that's one of the things when you start working with actors who really know what they're doing and have been trained, their ability to, like on, on Time Freak, I told the DP, who's a friend of mine, I said, you know, feel free to you know, talk to the actors about where they need to be. Sometimes it's a little bit of a difficult situation because an actor is in the middle of a performance and the DP says, oh, if you could turn your shoulder over this way, but that gets a little like, don't get in their head about like where their body would be. But I said, no, you can free reign over that because I have a lot of faith in my actors, their technical ability to open some of those marks and some of the body placement almost as a separate side of their brain. You know, and it's like the performance is about this honesty and the emotion. And then sometimes like where their feet are or where their hands land is like, you know, and, and like, where, like where they're standing in reference to the camera. <clears throat> exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. Yes, exactly. And okay. that's, you would have that ballet if you're doing 27 minute take. The amount of times that people would be standing in the wrong spot it would be, be staggering. I would imagine staggering. I was so. Yeah. But but it's like a dance number, so you're getting it, and a great actor 
or even just a very competent actor folds that in and, and, and doesn't usually make that same mistake twice, you know, once adjust. Okay. Now I got it, you know? Wow. So in your career of filmmaking, what would be some of the more difficult, um, tasks that I guess you would have encountered along the way? Are there any things that like you've done that you're particularly proud of or that you just like, after you finish up, was just like, holy hell, like that was, <laughs> that was a task. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of, of, of a lot of it. It's getting anything made is, uh, is such a challenge that luckily I've never been in the position as a filmmaker of finishing something and going, Oh wow, we 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 should have stopped this process halfway through. So, you know, so that's you know, let's yeah, everybody let's just get to the fucking end of this. Oh, am I what's what's the swearing deal? Am I allowed to be swearing? Oh, no, you're, oh you're, fuck oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. All right. So um so so um so anyways, I've never luckily had that. It's always a crazy um always feels a little out of control and it sort of should. You know, and that's sort of good. You should always be scared. You should always be, you know, there's a lot of filmmakers. Now I I hear, you know, it always makes me uncomfortable when you hear filmmakers who talk about, oh, we wrapped our days early and I don't care too much. There's there's some well-known people we don't have to go into who have get a lot of publicity for how early they wrap their days. And then I watch the movies and they go, oh, you had a crew there. You couldn't stay a little bit longer on that. You know, but, <laughs> you know, so, you know um, it always should feel a little out of control um, and always should feel, uh, uh, you know, should always scare the crap out of you. Um, but no, I, I've, I've been, I've been real fortunate that, that I don't, nothing ever felt like it overtook me, you know, in that way. Okay. Okay. You guys seen the fry fest, the fire festival docs? Oh, oh. we <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay, so there's a great thing about filmmaking inadvertently in the in the the Netflix one. Um uh and uh it's what is it? Somebody says So for me my takeaway in the net I didn't watch the Hulu one. The tech, the Netflix one my takeaway was how humanizing it was, and I thought they were all going to be douchebags, but actually liked most of the people who they interviewed and had a lot of respect for them because they seemed like professionals who got themselves in a bad situation. And somebody says something that's so great. He goes, yeah, everybody asked me if I knew it was going to fall apart. Every concert I've done kind of feels like it's going to fall apart. And then you pull it together in the last minute. And now look, that fire festival is a mess. And a lot of those people should have known better, but that's, an <laughs> inter- but that is an interesting energy that he represents. That it's like, it always kind of feels like it's not going to work out, you know, and you get that's, 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 that's something that people don't quite get is, is I've been in a lot of productions where I've been like, this thing's a fucking mess. And then we get to the end and I go, Okay, good. No, that was good. We go. We did it. You know? hey, we, we pulled that out. <laughs> and it's good. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, and I think that that was that was not to talk about Firefest again, but that was Billy McFarlane's. It was his curse. Is that I? I think that it happened to him um, enough times in a row that he began to think it always just comes out the other end just fine. 
And it, and it doesn't hurt if I embezzle some money and lie. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I, I'd say well, I, That's I, the moral of most. We had been talking about the, the difference between the two of them. And I would encourage you to watch the Hulu one. Uh, yeah. um, you would, you know, you'd think, you know, it's the, it's a documentary, but the exact same subject. It can't be too much different. It's a wildly different documentary. Oh, that's so cool to hear. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the Hulu one actually has an interview with Billy McFarlane. That I've heard. Right. And you, all you want to do is punch him right in his boobs. It's just, <laughs> it's, it, it's all you want to do. The whole time you see him on that film talking, you're like, I could just, I'd like to walk in there and just slap you. <laughs> He's despicable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it is, it is, it's a wildly, wildly different documentary. It's, it's actually weird how they're able to do that. Cause it was, you know, it's, it's so different. Yeah. But deep impact and uh, Armageddon and Armageddon are the same movie, right? Yeah, you know? <laughs> but they look different. Yeah, yeah. No, well, you're ta- you're talking White to the House guy down, who had it. Fallen. I was gonna say, or uh, you know, how, how about how about before we met and Time Freak, which is the, my my time travel romantic comedy had a movie released on Netflix, you know, six months beforehand. Right, uh, you know, same same thing. There's people people are not afraid of mentioning that online when they talk about Time Freak. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, t- Time Freak came in on my uh, my end of the year list. Time Freak came in at number. It's wonderful, four. yeah. Thank you. That was so nice. it was uh, it's that was Time Freak is still. Uh, we watched it the other day, my wife and I. For uh, she watched it for the first time. It was the second time for me. Um. No, that that's that, just so cool. I mean, that means a lot. It, it really does. It's uh, the the you, you, I think you'd be surprised how exhausting um, and and emotionally draining it can be to kind of be out there talking about the movie and exposing, and then also you know that's mixed with then you're sort of releasing an interview and then you're also seeing a review and that kind of thing so when when i find people who are excited about it it's 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 really it's great it's it really feels wonderful yeah you had three exceptionally talented actors on that in the lead on that show yeah. i mean that was you were blessed there there was, yeah. That's uh, they. They you, you roll the dice with that one. You, you walk. You walk in for day one of twenty two days, and it's like, all right, guys, you. <laughs> this is on you, you know. And they, they all three of them came through. So, <laughs> it, uh, yeah, I've I've talked to. Maybe maybe Joe and Rob Knight. You're talking to them. You'll go watch the show next time. I tell you. Yeah, I'm absolutely. About I'll it. definitely <laughs> remember it better to do that. What I should do. You know what we should really do to really sell it is why don't you DM me your address and I'll send you a DVD, Blu-ray. Well, look at that. Oh, wow. I don't know if you guys are in the yeah. – are you guys in the same oh, area? Uh, or uh, yeah, Rob and I actually work together. Joe's up in Chicago. Okay, so so let's get a, let's get a, a, a Blu-ray DVD in there and then maybe maybe you guys – might might, int- might might turn some some guys corners if it's literally as easy as dropping it in there. <laughs> no, I'm absolutely I would 100%. <laughs> How cool is that? It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, cool. So send me do make sure to to send me that if I you will. will. I'll yeah. uh, I'll I'll send you a uh, 
I'll get you. Uh, I'll get you our address. That's fantastic. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Sure, my pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks. Thank well, you. At, guys. at the at the end of our show, we do this thing where we uh, we call. I don't. What do we call it? Is it Geek, <laughs> Geek Weekly? Is it Geek Weekly? We've only been doing it for like five oh. years now. So yeah, it's only this is only our two hundred and forty ninth episode. <laughs> well, I feel uh, like it was briefly something else. It was something else. Mm, I can't remember what it was. Anyway, we, <laughs> we <laughs> kind of go around the table. And we talk about the thing that we've been geeking on this week. Oh, nice! And so, as our guest, uh, you get the option to either go first. Or go last. I want to go last because I know I've I'm, I know I've been geeking on some stuff this week, but I'm trying want to sort it out. So you guys go. Okay. Okay. Uh, Joe, what have you been geeking on this week? Um, man, there was something else on top of this, but uh, <laughs> I finally decided to take your mouth, and so I'm I'm about uh, I want to say I'm halfway through the second season of Big Mouth of Big Mouth. Yeah, the uh, the shame wizard has just been introduced. <laughs> yes, is... who is voiced by uh, David Thewlis. He played uh, Lupin in oh! uh, Harry Potter. Ah, I knew his and, voice and, was familiar. And he plays the, <laughs> he plays the shame wizard. Uh, too real, oh, that character. <laughs> <laughs> too real. <laughs> Uh, Andrew, are you familiar with Big Mouth at all on Netflix? I know, I know it, uh, but I haven't, I haven't really okay. delved in. It is just a, uh, it is an animated look at uh, coming of age and puberty and hormones and everything that goes with it. And it is, it is filthy, and it is crass, and it is hilarious. <laughs> it's yeah. also like it's it's like surprisingly informative. Yeah, yeah, you learn all about things. Like, if it wasn't so not safe for work, you could almost substitute it for, like, sex ed. <laughs> That's almost. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, just well, about. Almost, <laughs> almost. Yeah, the so. shame wizard, though. The shame wizard is brilliant. It's so spot on. And the episode where he, uh, he goes to his rabbi and then goes to the Catholic priest. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, art. Just <laughs> it really is. Um, it really is. Yeah, that's what I remember. The other thing on the opposite side of of um, kind of the opposite side of Big Mouth. I went to my first like concert slash show last night. I've never been to one before uh, in my 28 years. Um, like a, like a, a concert. Yeah, like a proper concert, <laughs> not like one at like a, a family member's house. Just somebody oh, okay. who is who is. Uh, you know, playing at a bar. Uh, Who'd you go I, see? Um, I saw the, it was Gungers, it, which is a, I guess like Christian band. I didn't know this until like literally a week ago. Uh, it's their final tour. Um, it, they call it their end of the world tour. And they were headlined by, or not headlined, they were open. The opener was a guy who does rap. His name is Propaganda. And then uh, like a, another group of people from the show is uh, uh, the brilliance and um, just honestly all really fan- fantastic, phenomenal performers. I shared one of the the songs songs it was really more like spoken word poetry uh, on Facebook earlier today. Um, but it was a really cool experience. And just, uh, I had some friends who were like, Hey, this is, you know, this is the last time that they're ever playing in Chicago 
uh, I'm going to be there. You know, do you want to come? And I was like, sure, why not? And uh, 25 bucks for a four hour show. You know, can't, can't beat yeah. that. That's and nice. it was uh, it was really good. It was really I mean, all, never heard before. And it was all very instantly singable. Um, there was actually there was a moment where like the entire crowd was joining in and everyone was singing a different harmony. Um, like a 375 part harmony is something that you don't usually get to be a part of. And it was, it was incredible. Cool. So, um, really good time. Um, if their their next project is they're switching over to the more, do more of the, the liturgists podcast, if that's a thing you're interested in, uh, I recommend it. It's got like uh science Mike, if you ever heard of him, um, it's cool, cool group, cool group of people. Uh, great is show. He, is he anything like Killer Mike? I was just going to. Ask that. Uh, mm, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say no. Uh, no, he was like a like a hard like evangelical. Became hmm. a scientist and was like, wait a minute, the Bible is bullshit. Uh, and then through the magic that is physics, he came back to faith and, uh, just fascinating, fascinating story. Uh, I believe it's called finding God in the waves. It's really, really a decent book. Um, I'd recommend it to most people. Um, and, uh, yeah. And so he, he weirdly enough, he is also like, he's friends with Michael Gungore, who is the, like one of the singer, one of the two lead singers in the two person band that is Gungor. Uh, but they both they both fell away from faith at the same time, and then both came back to the faith kind of together at the same time, uh, through the same sort of way. And it was just uh, it was an interesting show, interesting story, and uh, really had a good time last night, to be honest. So, oh, cool, yeah. And they're not. I wouldn't say just also for the record. I say Christian band. They don't really consider themselves to be a Christian band. That's how they got their start. Um, they're actually they sang everything from like uh, it went from from hardcore evangelical like gospel music to like uh, pretty decent rap to soul and funk music. So they were <laughs> all over the board, and it wasn't all faith based. That's a gamut. Yeah. So. <laughs> Really fits my. If they had Gregorian chant, it would have hit all my boxes. I was gonna say that would be that would be your <laughs> right. So good time, uh, Rob. What are you geeking on this week? Uh, I have been going through and uh, doing some of the uh, uh, beta testing for a game that is getting ready to come out called Anthem. And uh, it's uh, it's relatively similar to Destiny from what I played so far, uh, but it's everything that I think Destiny had tried to shoot to be, and just missed the mark on. Uh, open world shooter. Um, you play with your friends online. It's it's a game that's meant to be played with people. There's not really a whole lot of uh, solo action going on there. Uh, but the big selling point for this game is while it is just kind of like one of these shooters that uh, you play with people, uh, you fly around in this Iron Man-like suit called a Javelin. Hmm. And uh, it's they, they did really well with designing the world, with 
filling all of this out with making you feel like you are a genuine badass in this suit, um, which is, I mean, I, in my opinion, more important aspects of a game like this. If you're going to put somebody in a in a giant robot suit, make them feel like they're really working it. But um, uh, it's really, really solid. But they, it seems like it's just riddled fucking loading screens and like oh, that, no. it just kills the game like uh, like for me like i'm hoping it's getting ready to go live here in oh god I, a couple of days it goes live on the 22nd um so i'm hoping that they try and something about that by then but it's just every couple of minutes you're just getting locked in loading screen or you'll uh. be in the middle of a mix, mission and dragging behind a little bit and uh, they they want to speed it along so they'll try and just teleport you mm. for, to the rest of the group but in order to get teleported to the rest of the group it brings you to a loading screen and no. it's a fairly fast-paced game so your <laughs> teammates are running around and doing things going from point to point to point and so by the time that your game has finally loaded back in, you are now where your team was whenever you were initially loading into <laughs> or teleporting out from wherever you were. So oh, you're, Lord. you're just falling behind and constantly in this like ridiculous cycle of loading screens. And it just – whenever the game works and whenever you're not riddled with that fucking problem, it's a really fun game. And I'm looking forward to launch on it. Um, Isn't that what beta testing is about, though? That, that, that is, that's exactly what beta testing okay. is about. And I, I'm hoping that uh, I, I haven't given nearly good enough feedback. I've just finished my uh, my 10-hour stint of beta testing for them, so I'm going to send that in. But um, okay. but I'm really hoping that I'm, one, not the only person that has mentioned this problem or going to be mentioning this problem. And two, I really hope that they take it to heart because it seems like this does have the makings to be a fantastic game. It could be a lot of fun, and I could see this being something that I pick up and play in my off time pretty frequently if they get that problem fix- fixed. If not, then it- it's just going to kill the immersion. I think that they're going to lose out very quickly on uh, whatever fan base they could try to accumulate for this. And yeah, so, but Anthem uh, overall really really good and uh definitely something to keep your eye on uh, like i said it uh it uh comes full launch here uh the 22nd of february yeah no one wants to play bethesda glitch the game yeah 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 <laughs> i hear you uh rye guy what about you uh we talked about it a little bit in the uh, beginning of the show but uh my life has been consumed with the Umbrella Academy on Netflix. Uh, I am. I have one episode left, and I will have finished the season. And I am. Uh, I am very happy with this show. It is, uh, like I said earlier, it is the Royal Tenenbaums meets the Avengers, and that is like. The coolest thing no one ever asked for, but now we all need it. <laughs> That's cool. It's it's very cool. It's a disgruntled family of superheroes, and um, it's kooky, and the soundtrack is baller. It's on Spotify. Um, oh. 
just type in the Umbrella Academy, and it'll bring it to uh, people. Have it's not the official soundtrack, but people have curated the playlist. Um, so there's like just a playlist for it, and it is just just turn it on and let it play. It's it's phenomenal, and it's it's got this cool anachronist thing it does where it'll be like a fight scene, but the song is like. Like, you know, Don't Stop Me Now by Queen. Uh-huh. It's that song, but it's a bloody, deadly gunfight. I, that's one of my absolute Perfect. favorite movie film aesthetics. It, it's, it's great. weird juxtaposition of music and film. Yeah. Me too. It's wonderful. Yeah. That's it's cool. just wonderful. So uh, The Umbrella, I cannot, I cannot uh, recommend it more. It, it, is, it is wonderful. I... It's actually, I'm getting to the point where I think I, I, I'm starting to come around to the, to the Jason Piles view of Netflix, where as much as I like the ability to binge a show, and it's 10 episodes, they're an hour long, I got 10 hours, let's get the whole thing done with. Mm-hmm. I almost wish that they gave us like three episodes a week, because mm-hmm. I'm going to be done with the Umbrella Academy by, I'm not, I'm probably going to, we're going to wrap up the podcast, I'm going to go finish the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's going to be gone. I won't have. I won't get to watch it until the next season comes out in a year. So I feel like I'm not doing myself to uh, doing myself a disservice by binging a show almost. So, but that's what I'm. That's what I'm geeking on. The Umbrella Academy. It's a nice feeling when you can get to the end. I I started to get. I only recently discovered Rick and Morty, and about it's yeah. so good. I started to literally get nervous watching episodes five and six of season three because I was like, I don't, I watched them all in a very compact period of time. And I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do when this is done. Like, I don't, I I don't, I don't want to deal with, I don't want to deal with the life that doesn't have a new Rick and Morty episode. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. The most relatable thing any guest has ever said for me. (laughs) I thought that show was just a regular old cartoon show. Yeah. Until until um, uh, Morty was burying himself in the backyard. Yeah, I and think that's like, the, that's definitely I, the turning point. I was like, <laughs> "Whoa, this this is not like just the Simpsons." <laughs> no, no, it is not. <laughs> this is something completely different, and I am and I am here for this. You have you have time for a quick story? I don't know. Are we wrapping up? Oh, or? of course. No, Go for it. So, do you guys watch the extras on Rick and Morty? The all the the documentaries. Um, Sometimes some some of them. Okay, so to me, this is the biggest thing people always talk about. Executives. My wife is an executive, and 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 I have a lot of respect for her. And people talk about executives getting in the way, and they're always kind of twirling mustache bad guys. There's the greatest development story ever in the Rick and Morty. Um, behind the scenes, which is that they had those characters, right? And they were showing them and they had Dan Harmon and the, the Justin Roiland got together. They're making the show. They were Justin Roiland's characters. And they did the first episode, or they did like a sketch test. And in the first episode, you know, uh, Rick's, you know, sc- screaming at Morty, making him take, injecting him with stuff. And the executive just goes, I don't know. I just, I feel like Morty's too passive 
Oh, no, here's I'm telling the story wrong. Here's what it is. Justin Roiland wanted to do both voices. And they oh, said, right. no, 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 you can't do more. <laughs> um, and they went around and around. They tried to cast. They couldn't find replacements. They got people they like worse. And they came back to the executive. They said, please, 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 we want to do more. Why can't we? He said, you know, it's not so much your voice. It's that he's really passive. And Dan Harmon went, okay, got it. And wrote a bunch of scenarios. And that was the development of the idea that Morty calls out Rick on his amoral behavior. Can you imagine a Rick and Morty where Morty doesn't speak to Rick's immorality? That's, that's, that's no, no show. No. <laughs> you know? And that's because the executive was like, you know, it's not the voice, it's the passivity. You guys got to change the passivity. Morty has to stand up to Rick. That's a note. That's, <laughs> that's fantastic. I didn't know it's about the, that. It, it's the crux of the show. It's the show. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, that is so cool. Uh, and that's a good example of people willing to take a thing that they've created and accept constructive constructive criticism. Yeah, and 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 morph, let it morph into something else through the process. Yep. Yep. That's wonderful. Rick, I love that. Rick and Morty. I, I actually, I love that you watch Rick and Morty. That's awesome. I, I adore Rick and Morty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, hey, let's let's can we can we make a after the first season four episode drops? Can we reconvene to to discuss oh. it? Oh yeah, oh, no, please. Oh, we'll, you will absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Be on that episode. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We'll reconvene. It's a, it's a date. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic well that's wonderful well thank you for uh uh thanks for coming and 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 letting us pepper questions off for you i'm thrilled thank you yeah thank you I, I i i figured you were the right guy to ask uh, <laughs> uh about the academy so i i'm, I'm glad you were available Thank you. And thank, thanks for having me. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to watch probably the Oscars with the actor, Michael Nathanson, who was in season one of the Punisher and was also in the short film time freak and went to the Oscars with me. So he's going to be in town. And I think he and my wife and I are going to watch it together. So that's uh, very cool. cool. It's awesome. Uh, where can our listeners, uh, get a hold of you, see your wares, see your work, uh, et cetera. I'm uh, I'm around on on Twitter, and I I, I try to respond to uh, as many fans as I as I can. Fans of the movie, um, the the movie is still out there. iTunes, uh, probably on your video on demand. I'll make a plug for the DVD Blu-ray only because we did a lot of work. We did two commentary tracks. The short film that started this is is on there. Um, so, uh, and, uh, oh, wait here, the police are coming for me. Sorry. Um, uh, <laughs> time. <laughs> finally, um, pardon, pardon my helicopter. I'm, I'm outside in Los Angeles. This is occupational hazard. Um, but, uh, but we did a lot of, of good stuff on the Blu-ray we're very proud of. So, uh, so if, uh, if you want to watch it that way, uh, I encourage that. And that's, Excellent. that's available at any, any, you, any um, ordering platform, Amazon and Best Buy and so forth. Well, fantastic. Uh, again, thank you. Uh, we appreciate your time. I really appreciate you guys having me on. You and, guys enjoy and, the Oscars. Uh, 
and we will definitely uh, be getting back together for uh, some Rick and Morty talk. That's, I love uh, it, Rick and Morty. That, that sounds too perfect. <laughs> That's great. Wonderful, guys. Thanks, boss. Thanks so much. Okay. Take Bye. care. And uh, tip your waitress. That's, I think that's the best tip that I could give you for the evening. And call your grandparents. And if you like what you yeah. heard, go give us five stars and leave comments. You can find us on the iTunes store and other... The iTunes store. The iTunes store. <laughs> uh, the app Playground. Um, Tell us what categories they could either add or watch the Oscars. You can find us at the app playground or the iTunes commode. Uh, if you've got an extra dollar bill and you give it to us so we can do cool things, head on over to patreon.com slash GCL. No, slash Geekcast Live. Yes. Wow. We're on the ball have we been do- have we been doing this for 249 episodes now? Something like that. Well, I think we've only oh. been doing the Patreon for 125. <laughs> Holy <fair>. shit. <laughs> if people oh. want to give us uh comments or tell us how to improve our show, Joe. <laughs> perhaps they get a hold of us. Uh they should get a hold of us uh via Twitter at Geekcast Live or Facebook, also uh Geekcast Live. Uh, it's the one with three blue moons. So. <laughs> Thanks we for listening. <laughs> uh, or uh, whisper your complaint to the nearest uh, deciduous tree. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually it'll get to a grapple. Chop it, chop it down. Uh, shape it carefully with a lathe into a pirate ship and place it in the Atlantic Ocean. What kind of pirate ship you make? Enough? It's like a like a pirate submarine. Yeah, out of a out of a deciduous tree. Oh, rock! I said rock, didn't I? No, no, you didn't say rock. Oh. I'm just wondering. You I, know how a <laughs> I was thinking rock. I don't know. Do you know how a lathe works? <laughs> Yeah. Like, well, like, how are you gonna make a? How are you gonna make like a boat shape with the masts? And- <laughs> I don't know. You have to be very skilled with your lathe. You gotta. You'll have yeah. to be a. Oh, you'd have to be a. Some you'd have, have to be a master lathe. Smith. Right. Some kind of lathe master. <laughs> I think I am. Please some kind of listen, lathe give master. Us- Give us money so we can make Lathe Master the new YouTube series. Good night. Goodbye.